1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 28. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Whereas by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Whereas in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says, all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. For those of you that are visiting today, or whether you're in person or online, I'm Pastor Adam, and I'm glad that you joined us for this Easter celebration, and I'm glad that you joined us for this um, special, uh, special event. What I've got here is one of my least favorite games in the world, because I thought what better thing to do on Easter than bring out one of my least favorite games. This game here, for those that don't immediately recognize it, is called, anyone? Don't Break the Ice. Don't Break the Ice. I hate this game. This is one of those children's games that my kids owned and ended up in the back of the closet, hidden, so that we never had to play it. It, it, it stands amongst the unique class of children's games, like that other children's game, Mousetrap. Any of you have the misfortune of ever playing that one? The problem with these games is they take about a hundred times longer to set up than to actually play. I mean, I have spent more time putting these silly little blocks into place than I ever have actually playing the game. You see, because the, the point of this game, for those of you that have never had the misfortune of playing it, is that you do what I'm doing here. It, you, you tap blocks out of this grid right there, and you see, oh, I made them fall. I lost 
You tap blocks out of the grid, but you try not to cause the penguin to fall. And so the key of the game is that you have to knock out the blocks that are not supporting the little penguin. And so you just go around and you keep knocking them out, but there's a lot of blocks that are not essential. You know, they're, they're there and they're nice to have, but they're, they're not important. What you have to do is avoid the keystones. You have to avoid the ones that when you finally tap it out, it causes the little man to fall. Because once you've tapped out the keystone, it all comes apart and the game is over. And you've lost. And friends, what, what Charles just read for us from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is he says that the story of Jesus is like this game. And the keystone is the resurrection. If you tap the keystone out, then it all falls apart. It all holds together and is held in place by Easter morning. If you remove the resurrection, game over. Theologian John Stott said, Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. Friends, resurrection is the keystone. Remove that and game over. And that's what Paul says. We're going to look at what he says here. And if you want to follow along with me, you can turn in your own Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. Or there are pew Bibles in front of you, those black pew Bibles. It's on page 1142. 1142 in the pew Bible. If you you want to follow along with me here. But the Apostle Paul says that the resurrection is the keystone. Remove that and everything else falls apart. So Charles read for us verses 14 through 19. Verses 14 through 19, we hear Paul say, if Jesus hasn't been raised, if the resurrection is a hoax, if it's a myth, if it was just a mirage, if if they were confused, if they made it up, then this is what happens. Verse 14, he says, our preaching is in vain. Verse 14, he also says, your faith is in vain. Verse 15, he says, we're all liars. Verse 17 says, if Jesus hasn't risen, your faith's futile. Verse 17, you're still in your sins. Verse 18, those who've died trusting in Christ, they're lost. They're just gone. And verse 19, if Jesus hasn't been raised and we're walking around believing it and preaching it, we are to be pitied most of all people. Paul says, pull the resurrection out of there and everything else just falls apart. We have nothing left. Game over. Friends, without Easter, without what we're here celebrating today, without the resurrection, then Christmas, Christmas was just warm fuzzies. Jesus was just a great teacher. And Good Friday, that was just tragic. But Easter, the resurrection changes everything. Friends, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, then that means that Christmas is actually about the incarnation of God. If if Jesus' resurrection is true, it means that Jesus' life was about our transformation, not just about His teaching. It means that Good Friday truly brought about our salvation. But friends, even more than that, even more than that, Paul goes on to talk about in the passage that Charles read for us, he goes on to talk about what the resurrection ultimately means for you and for me 
and for this world. Friends, you know what the resurrection means for us and for this universe? God is setting all things right again. He's setting all things right again. Now, next to the Bible, one of my favorite book series is Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. And in the final book, The Return of the King, it tells of the destruction of this ring of power. And when the ring of power is destroyed, evil's vanquished. The Dark Lord Sauron is destroyed. Now, the ring was destroyed by a small and insignificant little creature called a hobbit, who was accompanied by his friend Samwise Gamgee into the heart of danger so that the ring could be destroyed, so that evil could be vanquished, and so that people could be free. Well, of course, doing something like this is quite dangerous, and when Samwise awakens after his life, after his death, near-death ordeal, he finds himself there in the company of a good friend who he thought had died. And he wakes up. He knows evil's been vanquished. He knows it's been destroyed. He wakes up. A good friend who he thought was dead is sitting there in the room with him. And he looks at him and he says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What happens to the world? Did you hear that question? Is everything sad going to come untrue? You see, he, he wakes up and he finds alive a friend who he watched fall battling a great evil. And when he sees his friend alive, his first question is, wow, is everything sad now going to come untrue? And friends, the reason why this strikes me is I feel like that's how Jesus' disciples were at the resurrection. Here they saw their friend who they had witnessed beaten, tortured, crucified cruelly upon a cross. And here he stands before them alive, risen. And they say, Jesus, I thought you were dead. What does this mean? Is everything sad now going to come untrue? What's happened to this world? And friends, what Paul tells us in this passage is that the answer is yes. Because of the resurrection, everything sad is going to come untrue. That's the point that Paul makes in verses 20 through 28. Look at that in your Bibles. Paul says in verse 20, if Jesus truly rose from the dead, then he's the first fruits of the resurrection. Now, we're not in an agricultural society anymore. But the first fruits of a crop were, were considered to be representative of the crop. If the first fruits were good, then that meant that the rest of the crop was going to be similar. It was going to be the same, and it was going to be just as good. And so it says Jesus is the first fruits. Of the resurrection. In other words, Jesus is the first one, but friends, there are more to follow of the same kind and quality of the first. Jesus rose from the dead, and so will those who've trusted Jesus one day rise from the dead. Jesus is the first fruit. He, he guarantees the quality of the crop that's going to follow him. And all who now trust him and follow him one day too will follow him in resurrection. So Jesus' resurrection, what does it mean? It means the beginning of the end for death. You know, the Apostle Paul wanted to explain what Jesus' resurrection meant. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 9, he said, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead will never die again. 
death no longer has dominion over him. Friends, with Christ's resurrection, death no longer has any power over him. He can never die again. The empty tomb of Easter morning proclaims that Christ is risen, and Christ's resurrection proclaims that the power of death is being broken. Death itself is coming untrue. And Paul explains in verses 21 and 22, he says, For as by a man came death, so by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, when Paul writes that in Adam we all die, Paul's referring back to Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman discussed in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Because when God created everything, friends, He created it good. He he created everything, and everything was in perfect submission to God. And thus, everything was aligned for flourishing and life. However, Genesis also records for us that Adam and Eve, they were given just one command. One command. Do not eat from the fruit of the forbidden tree. But Adam and Eve, like us, they refused to submit to God's law and they decided to be a law unto themselves. And when they ate from the tree, they broke not only God's law, but they broke the perfect relationship that stood between humanity and God. And like knocking down the first domino, this caused everything else to break apart as well. And so sin and chaos and disorder entered the world. And because things were no longer submitted to God, no longer ordered for life the way that God had intended, the end domino is death. And death entered the world. So by a man came death. And in Adam all die. However, however, Paul goes on and he says, with the resurrection all things are being made new because as by a man came death, so by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. He says, the resurrection signals that all the sad things are coming untrue. And verse 23 confirms Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And then at the end of time, it says in verse 23, when Christ returns, all who trust and follow Christ will also rise, just as Christ arose. And friends, when Christ rose, He rose to never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. And friends, you know what that means? When we rise, death no longer has dominion over us. We cannot and will not die again. The power of death will be broken. Death and all of its sadness will come untrue. When all who are in Christ rise, death is done. It has no dominion. It has no power. It's become untrue. Because of Easter morning, because of the resurrection of Jesus, everything sad is coming untrue, including death itself. However, that will be the day when Christ returns. And we know that we don't yet live in that day, do we? We don't yet live in that day. But Paul looks forward to that day in this passage. Look at verses 24 through 26. Then comes the end, when Jesus delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy, the last enemy to be destroyed, is death. Friends, 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, Scripture records that Jesus ascended to heaven and He sits reigning at the right hand of God the Father. 
And Paul says in these verses that Jesus is even now reigning. He's destroying every ruler, authority, and power associated with sin and death and decay. In other words, Jesus is right now in the process of making all things new, making the sad things come untrue. With the resurrection, Jesus has begun, but not yet completely and finally put every enemy under his feet. With the resurrection, Jesus has begun, but has not yet completely punished and eliminated all sin. Jesus has begun the work of making the sad come untrue. And you might say, well, why is he delaying? I mean, if he has that power and authority now, why is he delaying? Why didn't he just rise from the dead, go up, sit at the throne, judge all evil, bring everything to its end? Why is he waiting? Why is he hanging out? Why doesn't he just come back and take care of all sin and wipe it out and make all things new? Friends, Jesus delays his final return for your sake. Jesus delays his final return for your sake. He delays returning to give the gospel time to go to all the world. He delays returning to give persons a chance to respond to Him. Jesus is waiting for you. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise to return, as some count slowness. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Friends, understand if Jesus has not yet returned and made all things new and made all the sad things come untrue, He's delaying for your sake. He's delaying to give you and to give me a chance to respond. And if you're here or if you're online watching us today, and if you've never responded to the love of God, if you've never received the mercy of Jesus Christ, if you do not know the forgiveness of sins, if you've never experienced the peace of God's presence, friends, today is the day. In His great mercy, Christ has delayed His return, but that delay will not be forever. Because Christ will one day soon return and He will perfectly complete His work of making everything sad come untrue. Which means that all sin is going to be judged, all evil is going to be punished, and all wickedness is going to be purged. And friends, at that time, those who are not found in Christ, those who have not trusted in His death for their sins, and those who have not believed in His resurrection for their life, they will be destroyed along with their sins. Those who persist in rebellion will be crushed under His feet along with all of the other forces that stand in rebellion against God. And friends, if you're here this Easter morning and if you're hearing this message, it means that there is still time. And there is still time because of God's great love for you. Understand the love of God that He has made a way that you might now have a relationship with Him. He has sent His Son so that your rebellion might be forgiven and your estrangement from God might end. That you too might experience the hope of Easter morning. That you might know the hope of a future resurrection. The hope that all sad things are coming and one day will perfectly and completely come untrue. And friends, if this hope is not yet your hope, I would love to talk with you and to pray with you after today's service that you might know the risen Jesus Christ. 
that you might share in the hope of His resurrection. That you might know the peace that comes with sins forgiven and relationship with God restored. So friends, don't delay. He is patient, but it will not last forever. He delays for you. Don't delay responding to Him. And church, church, you who have trusted Jesus Christ, you who believed in His resurrection, you who now follow Him in obedience, I want you to notice one important point from this passage about Christ's resurrection. Death is not canceled, but it is conquered. Friends, death is not canceled, but it is conquered. One day, you and I will still die. One day, we will face the final enemy. However, now, because of the resurrection, friends, we can face the final enemy without fear. When death comes to take me, when death comes to take you, we can stare death in the eye and we can say, I'm not conquered. I am not conquered. Death, I am not conquered. You do not have the victory. Jesus Christ has the victory. Christ is risen. And you know what? One day I too will rise. And one day you soon, death, will be no more. Because Christ has not canceled death, but He has conquered it. And church, what that means for us is that we now are free to live. We no longer have to live as people who are afraid of death. We live as people who are in Christ and who have conquered death itself. This is how the author of the book of Hebrews explains it in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those, that's us, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Friends, we were slaves to our fear of death. We were slaves, but in Christ, no longer. Because, friends, the gospel, the good news is that in Christ, death has been conquered, it's been defeated, it's been disarmed, it's been humiliated. Death is now a wasp without a stinger. It's a lion without teeth. It's a snake without fangs. Death no longer holds any terror for us who are in Jesus Christ. So church, we are free to live, to live fully, to live fearlessly, to live that others might know that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And church, remember that if death is conquered but not canceled, that means that until the day we die, we're still going to experience trouble and evil and wickedness. Even though Christ now reigns, He has not yet completely and fully put all evil and wickedness and rebellion under His feet. While Jesus is right now making the sad things untrue, He's holding off on returning and completing that work. And as such, that means, church, that evil and suffering have not been canceled yet either. We still have evils befall us in this world and this life. We still suffer tragedy and trauma. We still might hurt and be hurt. Evil and sin have not been canceled. But church, if you are in Christ, take heart. Because evil and sin might not have yet been canceled. But they too have been conquered. Church, in Jesus Christ, evil and sin have not yet been canceled. But they also have been conquered. 
Listen again to the confidence that we now have in Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39, Who is the condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword, as it's written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, evil and suffering and death have not been canceled, but in Christ they've been conquered. So we can face any evil, we can face any suffering, we can face death itself unperturbed and undisturbed because Christ has conquered and so we too are conquerors. Christ has, death has not been canceled, but it's been conquered. Sin, evil, and suffering have not yet been canceled, but they too have been conquered. So whatever my lot, He has taught me to say that it is well. It is well with my soul. My friends, Easter changes everything because the resurrection and the hope of resurrection changes everything. Remove the resurrection and Christianity falls apart. But if Christ has been raised, friends, if Christ has been raised, we have an unconquerable hope. My friends, resurrection is the keystone. If Christ is risen, death and sin and evil, they stand conquered. If Christ is risen, we have hope and new life in Jesus Christ. And is He your hope today? Is Christ your peace? Can you say, no matter what you face, it is well. It is well with my soul. My friends, Christ is risen. And what difference will that make to your life now and to your eternity thereafter? Let's pray together. Father, thank You. Thank You for the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank You that because He has risen, we know that He has conquered. We know that one day sin and death will all be destroyed. But even as we live until that day, we can live victoriously. We can live as conquerors. Because we live in Christ. In Him who has conquered sin and death and hell. And so we have an unshakable, unconquerable hope. We face suffering, evil, and death itself with no fear. It is well with our soul because Christ is risen indeed. In His name we hope. Amen. Please stand.